Well, welcome everybody to episode 19 of the Blow Off Valve podcast. We're your hosts, Alex and Tucker. Coming to you a little later this week, but Tucker had some work this weekend and, and we're kind of fitting it in where we can around uh, real life. So our apologies, but we'll have uh, an on-time episode for you next Monday as well. But we wanted to uh, we wanted to make sure we get did get a podcast in this week, though, because uh, this past Sunday was the, I would say, one of the, I don't know if you, you feel this way, but probably one of the jewels in the F1 calendar, you know, yeah. Monaco, the Monaco GP. Uh, I think Absolutely. it's, I don't know that it always results in the best racing because it's, it's a true track, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's definitely got the most cachet. I mean, that's the one where all the celebrities show up, you know, the big the yachts full the, of yachts. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> And you and I were looking into it, and and it is uh, the hotel, which is a Fairmont mm-hmm. hotel at the Hairpin, the famous. Uh, well, it was called the Lowe's Hairpin. Now it's called the Fairmont Hairpin, but everybody still calls it the Lowe's the Hairpin. Lowe's. The, they go for twenty thousand dollars a night. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's it's just yeah. it's kind of a big party, basically. But yeah, it's cool. a lot of bling. It's kind of like a it's like a lifestyle race. Or yeah, something, it's a yeah. Know? It's I, every, everybody I think, wants to win it. You know, it's yeah. it's it's got the cachet. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's got the history. It's definitely something to kind of you know notch in the belt in terms of an F one driver. Like, right. oh yeah, I've got a Monaco Grand Prix. Right, I'm a I Monaco think, winner. Yeah, I think one I, of the things I like about it most is um, <clears throat> it's just an unusual track, and so it plays mm-hmm. to strengths of cars and drivers in a different way. And right. so it, it can make for an interesting race, I guess, from the yeah. standpoint of you might see some people at the top that you don't normally see, even That's though it. once once the race starts, it's a hard place to pass, you know, because right. the cars are so wide and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I think anyways. you're you're spot on. It, it's it's not one of these purpose built F1 tracks. That's a big, wide track where high downforce cars are are kind of the order of the day it's it's much more technical and so i think a lot of times there's not a lot of passing but you advance by people retiring or people damaging their cars by getting into the wall or clipping a wall you know for those that that don't know if they don't follow f1 but that are still kind enough to listen to this podcast (laughs) monaco the monaco gp unlike most other races on the calendar Instead of being a, on a purpose-built racetrack, it is literally through the streets of Monaco. They have been, you know, doing it for decades and into back to the early nineteenth, uh, early nineteenth century. I'm sorry, early nineteen hundreds. And you can go there any other time of the year and literally drive the course because it's just <laughs> the roads of Monaco. Uh, it's really stunning, um, and that's kind of why it's so famous. I think it's just it's very picturesque. You've got these incredible cars just flying down these narrow yeah. streets. Narrow um, streets through tunnels along, you know, harbors. Yeah, yeah cool. exactly. There's a, a really famous tunnel. There's kind of a, a cool story about that tunnel. So mm-hmm. in modern F1, there's it's got a bit of a curve to it. But because of yeah, the downforce of the cars, you can basically be flat out through, through the tunnel. You don't have to lift off yeah. the gas. So I remember hearing, I, I don't know if it was Adrian Newey talking about this or one of the drivers, but I remember hearing like, you can tell who's up for race weekend and, and, and who doesn't really have the guts 
because when they go through the tunnel, you can hear if someone lifts off the gas. Lift off. <laughs> yeah. So, so in qualifying or like in free practice, you'll hear who's still kind of trying to get comfortable with the course because they'll lift. Um, For sure. So it's kind of cool, <laughs> kind of a cool. Because yeah, I mean, detail. you know, I think probably when you enter that tunnel, from what I can kind of vaguely recollect, you don't see mm-hmm. the exit of that. No, it's you know, it's this. It's got a gentle bend can, to it. And yeah, you go from you light. You can like. <laughs> yeah, that it's there. You go from light <laughs> into dark, and then when you come out, it's light, and then it's the hairpin, or it's not the hairpin; it's the um, chicane. <clears throat> So you're hard on the brakes. Oh yeah, and, God, yeah, that awful chicane. Yeah, so <laughs> I hate that chicane. <laughs> it's pretty intimidating, but because there's not a lot of passing, the qualifying on Saturday is actually probably more important than pretty just about critical. any other race. Yeah. And uh, qualifying is really interesting. So, as you kind of alluded to, some cars, some teams actually maybe have a little bit more advantage on this. You know, the Mercedes that we know is set up to be a very high downforce, high grip car. And they kind of struggled. So um, Charles Leclerc with the Ferrari actually ended up in the first position with Max Verstappen in second. Botas actually driving well in the Mercedes in third. Leclerc's teammate Carlos Sainz in fourth. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lando Norris doing a really good job for McLaren getting in the fifth. Pierre Gasly with Alphatari getting in the sixth. And really the surprise, you know, one of the big surprises was Lewis Hamilton languishing all the way down in seventh. Um, and so it, it, it wasn't without drama though. So, uh, Leclerc gets on pole, he's going for one last flying lap and down by the Harbor, his right front wheel, <clears throat> uh, clips one of the Armco barriers. And you can see in the replay, hit one of his control arms and the suspension snaps from the impact. So he basically loses control and can't yeah. turn goes straight into the barrier at the end of the chicane and red flags the rest of the session. And this was right before Max Verstappen uh, signs and a couple others were going to attempt their own kind of last hot lap, last flying lap. Um, yeah. you know, so the team radio is interesting because obviously all the drivers are like, Oh, I would have been on pole. You know, they're all upset about it. Um, but yeah, really, really interesting. You know, there's a lot of, uh, Oh, did Leclerc do that on purpose and all this sort of stuff? Well, you know, and that's kind of what I think, you know, he's a young driver and obviously he was setting some impressive times. And so I think Mm -hmm. he was, he was probably really pushing the limit. Yeah. And probably the lap where he set his pole time Mm -hmm. was probably the acceptable limit. Right. And then I think he tried to like outdo himself. Yeah. And um I think it was like Martin Brundle said something like, you know, him compared to he can deliver, he can do some great stuff, but he has some gaffes, mm-hmm. you know, that are not so great. You right. know, and like when you look at that in slow motion, obviously all this stuff is happening at like crazy speeds. Right. But I mean he's turning in on that early, really early. early. You're just yeah. like no way was that going to clear that. No way was that going to clear that. But yeah, um, who knows? Like, who the hell knows? Maybe it wasn't the turn wasn't set up well. Maybe he bumped. Yeah, I don't know. But I um, think I I don't think I he can... did it on purpose. Right. You know, because it's just too big of a gamble and to red you know <laughs> red that's, flag it. That's the thing. <laughs> like I, I think you're right on both counts. Like Leclerc 
he gets results with that car that his teammates never get. Mm-hmm. And he does that by pushing himself and that car right up to the very edge of yeah. what they're both capable of doing. And yeah. and when you do that, you're going to have amazing results or you're going to crash. And yeah. we've seen him have some dumb yeah. crashes. So it happens. Uh, and I don't think as great a drivers as these guys are, I don't think he can be like, okay, I'm going to hit the wall just this way to, to break this one part of my car that's easily replaceable. And, you know, I, I, I just think that's ridiculous. And fun, the irony is that what ended up causing him not to start was his left side drive shaft. So not even the side that he hit on, it was the, yeah, oh, I he hit on the right. Yeah. So there was some talk cause he didn't take part in, I think, the first free practice, there was some talk about his car already having an issue before Mm -hmm. qualifying. So maybe, you know, maybe that was a problem kind of before and, you know, the crash didn't have anything to do with it. It's tough to know, but um, I think it just has more to do with these guys are pushing their cars to the limit on a really tough course. Yeah. And, you know, it was interesting. I don't, I remember reading that, you know, with this, kind of an accident you know a lot of times they end up having to put in a new transmission mm-hmm. and i don't know if um it would translate to like a whole drivetrain would a right. you know if you replaced it you'd take a, a five position penalty mm-hmm. and um you know part obviously like they must have looked at the car and thought god you know maybe we can get away with it and yeah. we'll try to stay on pole but I right. kind of wonder if, like, looking back, if they would have done anything it. differently. You know, if they would have taken the penalty I, and I'm scored some sh- points this weekend. I, I'm um, not sure that they didn't. I think they thought they got fixed. Because mm-hmm. I was following, if you, both on Instagram, I think it was just on Instagram I saw it. But, like, Ferrari was posting about, like, you know, Leclerc was going to be on pole and he was going to make the race and all stuff. Like, right up until... Their formation yeah, he wasn't lap. there. Yeah. And then they do the formation the lap. Like, well, where the hell is he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So on the formation lap, he realized he had an issue nice. and had had to pull off. And and so it was an interesting start to the race because of that, because the first position was basically empty. Vacant. Leclerc wasn't yeah. there. So Max very smartly set himself up a little angled at the start box. Basically, yeah. so that he ba- he had a straight run to the first corner, yeah, turn. yeah, because he didn't want Botas being able to slip inside him and get position on that first turn, so that Verstappen would have to go wide. So yeah, uh, so the race starts. Verstappen's plan works perfectly. He gets a great shot off off the line, perfectly aligned for the first corner. Cuts Botas off, who has to lift and tuck in behind him, and he's in he's in the lead. Uh, you know, the race race goes on and uh, they're kind of trying to decide when when to bring in Botas because he's in second at this point and trying to, you know, Verstappen, I think, had a decent lead on him throughout, if I recall correctly. But they bring Botas in for his pit. And yeah, I, I don't well, know about you, but like anytime Botas pits, I get nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I get nervous in kind of an excited way because... You know, the, the truth is, like, Mercedes, they are, uh, you know, perfectionists. 
in, mm-hmm. in their ability to pit and do it successfully. But the truth is when they fail, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very, complete flaming mess. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very much like schadenfreude seeing them <laughs> screw up. But so what yeah. happens is Botas goes in, they do the they're changing out his, his tires and one of the wheels will not come off. And yeah. on the replay, you because you see the you see the guy with the with the yeah. air gun two or three times apply it to the wheel and it yeah. doesn't come off. And on the replay, you can see when the gun spins, you just see this yeah. like metal shavings Almost, flying. Yeah. yeah. So strip the nut. <laughs> yeah. The, so he strips. So the yeah. And when you bring the gun away, you can see he stripped the nut. So. Yeah. Whether that thing got cross-threaded or something when they put it on initially, it was not coming off. And so he had to retire because they couldn't get this freaking wheel off. And Which is crazy, you know, I mean... I've never seen that about, Well, that's what I mean, you know. I mean, you can't, like, fault the guy. Uh, right. But how the hell has that not happened, quite frankly, with as quickly as they do those pit stops? Yeah. And they basically just jam this thing on there in a millisecond. Mm-hmm and then hope yeah. for the best and pull the trigger. It's like, how the hell does that, yeah. how, how has this not happened before? There, actually? there were some people saying like, Oh, maybe the guy had pulled the trigger on the gun before he got it locked on the thing so that it stripped it and all yeah. this. But total, total wolf, the team principal at Mercedes said that even when they got it in the garage, they couldn't get the wheel off that they were going to have to go in and, and with like a Dremel, like yeah. cut it off. Uh, which is just insane. Um, yeah, and I mean, like, but, you know, that kind of is to my point is, okay, even if the guy pulls the trigger a little bit too early, with as fast as these guys are doing pit stops and as many cars are pitting in a given race mm-hmm. and four wheels on every one of these cars over years, like, mm-hmm. this must have just been a freak accident because... Yeah. When when was the last time you remember this happening? Yeah, I, I don't recall it happening. And I, I suspect that when they put the wheels on for the start of the race, it something got threaded incorrectly or something where it wouldn't bag yeah, out. Maybe it was a setup. Yeah. Yeah. So it's unfortunate, you know, Botox always happens to yeah, Valtteri, poor guy. Yeah, <laughs> always happens to him. And you know, <laughs> Not so, yeah. so he seeds second. And Carlos Sainz uh, in the Ferrari had moved up a few spots by this point. And so he's in behind Verstappen. Never really challenged him, per se. Um, Verstappen kept a good lead throughout and uh, ended up winning the race. Uh, Carlos got second. And Lando Norris actually uh, had joined, had jumped a couple spots throughout the race and ended up third. So he made, uh, made it onto the podium at Monaco as well, which really great race by, by him. Plus, it was uh, fun to see the McLarens in the um, Gulf uh, livery as well. Oh, yeah. They, so, yeah, so that's a good point. So the McLarens, to celebrate their kind of renewed partnership with Gulf Oil, uh, put on a unique livery just for Monaco. And for anyone that's a motorsport fan, I'm sure you know, like the, the classic yeah. orange and kind of baby blue of, of the Gulf livery is just, it's always cool. It's, it's so cool easy, seeing yeah. it on a race car. Um, <laughs> probably most famously on the Porsche 917 from Le Mans, but yeah. I mean, it's been on a bunch Many, of different race cars yeah. at this point. And really, but none of those guys was the driver of the day. 
Yep. Because the driver of the day went to Sebastian Vettel, who actually remembered how to drive a race car and, <laughs> and uh, ended up was a little hungry, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think he got a little tired of people talking. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, but I think it goes to your point. Like we know the Aston Martin isn't a very competitive car this year on the racetracks yeah. they've been on these big high speed, high downforce, high grip tracks, but, Whatever it is, you know, Vettel made that Aston Martin work around Monaco. So he had a he had a great drive. He was a driver of the day. Um, Pierre Gasly again, great drive for AlphaTauri in sixth. What was surprising to me, and I, yes, we talked about not being able to pass and and all that stuff. Lewis Hamilton could not find his way around Gasly. He was he started seventh. He ended seventh. Yeah, you know, and he was not a, he was not a happy camper either. You know, and it's kind of the thing that I I respect Lewis. I mean, obviously, he's one of the great, if not greatest, F one drivers of all time. He's got he's he's got unbelievable control, and he's a competitor. But anytime he has like something go wrong, I think he's so used to being a front runner that anytime he has something go wrong, instead of just being like, okay, I'm taking put my yeah, I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to get these places back. I've got a good car. He just bitches the entire yeah. freaking race. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. it is interesting I, to see that. I agree. You know, I mean, the guy's super well composed, very professional when everything's mm-hmm. going right. Mm-hmm. And then when things start to slide, it's just it's adversity yeah, time. Bitching and complaining. And I'm sure, obviously, everybody's, you know, prone to do that, you mm-hmm. know. Especially yeah. when you're used to it, basically like being so smooth and being so easy for you. You're yeah. you're driving in clear air every race because you're up yeah. up on the second place <laughs> guy by thirty seconds. But I do like, frankly, as just a observer, I would think it would be a lot more. And I get you know, obviously, there's a challenging situation. You know, when people are the anxi- you know anxiety's up, adrenaline's up, all sorts of stuff. Right. But it'd be a lot cooler if he was just kind of like kept his kind of like machine mentality yeah you know even during those adversities and that's a tough thing to do yeah i i agree i i think that's that's kind of the only thing that is missing from him and it's something that's kind of been a criticism against him i mean since his days at mclaren and yeah exactly yeah. when he was young <laughs> is is he it's not that he doesn't deal with adversity well i mean he was you know a middle-class UK carding, like I'm sure he yeah. knows how to deal with adversity yeah. every step of the way. Like no doubt the guy knows how to fight through. It's just what he says and, and kind of the outward expression yeah. of his frustration. I kind of, I would expect someone of his stature to be a bit more cold blooded. Like, okay, yeah, this may not be my race. I may not be winning this one, but I'm going to get, I started in seventh. I'm going to try and get to fourth, you know, like, yeah, and Something you know, like, like you and I were talking this weekend. Realistically, do we think that you know Red Bull actually has a chance by the end of this season? I frankly yeah. don't think so. Um, you know, once you, once you see the Mercedes back out on open tracks, I think yeah, it was interesting. You know, at the end of last season, where were they? Were they in Dubai? Is that where they finished? I can't remember. Yeah, Yas Marina. Yeah, but it was like you know Verstappen had this kind of like commanding performance, and you're like, damn, mm-hmm. 
maybe these yeah. guys are going to shake it up next year. Yeah. And then there's been a couple races where, again, you know, the Mercs get out in front and it's like, mm-hmm. good night. Yeah. yeah <laughs> there's no competition here. And I think, unfortunately, you know, most of the tracks play to their, play you to know, the advantage. Yeah, well, how they I mean, designed their cars. So I, yeah, I was gonna say, I think I think we have the chicken and the, and the egg reverse there. Like Mercedes designed their car the way they do because most of the tracks are these yeah. big purpose built F one tracks, and so I think they know going into a, a race like Monaco or race like Baku and Azerbaijan, they're probably yeah. going to be they're at a disadvantage. And yeah. they just say, hey, you know what? If we drop a couple points there, we're gonna go so one. We're going to go one, two at so many other tracks that it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting to see them having a little bit of frustration. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> so too. Oddly satisfying. Um, the, the the thing I did, uh, one thing I did want to bring up, I thought this was a really, you look at the results and it's actually kind of a, we've touched base before on the show about how, for most F1 drivers, the, the their best competition in terms of how they can judge themselves is their teammate, right? Because they're both in the same car yeah. um, versus, you know, Charles Leclerc trying to compare himself to Max Verstappen. Like, they're in different cars. Like, it's really tough to compare. And I thought this race really showed a lot of kind of stark contrasts. Um, you know, you had you had someone like Pierre Gasly in sixth. Meanwhile, Yuki Sonoda's in 16th in the same car. You know, you had uh, you had Daniel Ricciardo languishing in 12th. Meanwhile, Lando Norris is on the podium in third. Um, yeah. Even even Esteban Ocon, uh, who finished ninth, you know, his teammate Fernando Alonso is 13th, and I mean, I barely knew he was in the race. You know, you know, and if there's any common denominator there, it might be number of cases some of those individuals have made long-term commitments and mm-hmm. some of those people have jumped around. Yeah. And yeah. I know you mentioned not, that with uh, Ricardo during the yeah, race. It's, it's not always like, it doesn't always exactly match up, but like we've talked, you know, I, I personally think, you know, Ricardo, he's jumped around a lot and, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, you were saying, kind of has this maybe perspective where he's looking for like, well, who's the next winning team? Right. And yeah. so he probably has to spend his first season just getting used to the car. Whereas Lando Norris has grown with this car yeah. and they've kind of probably optimized it to the way he likes to drive. Right. Kind of the same thing with like Max Verstappen in the Red Bull. And Sergio. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, the other thing that I think really you know, you kind of mentioned before with Verstappen having the Red Bull kind of crafted his driving style. And I think when you look at those comparisons, like, you know, Pierre Gasly finishing 10 spots ahead of Yuki, while Gasly's the number one at Alphatari, you know, mm-hmm. when you've got, you know, when you've got Lando Norris finishing in third versus Ricardo in 12th, Lando, despite Daniel being an, a hell of a driver, Lando is the number one at McLaren. Like yeah, they can say that there's a competition and we don't favor anybody, but like, you know, yeah. they just, they so, just signed. Yeah. Well, just before Monaco, they uh, signed a new long-term deal with Lando. Yeah. So, Zach kind of treats him as his son. Yeah, know, exactly. So, and even at, and even at Alpine, you know, like Alonso, despite being 
unbelievable yeah, experience. Multiple, yeah. multiple world time champion or multiple world champion. He is the new guy on the team, you know, mm-hmm. whereas Ocon's been developing that, that car with Renault for what, three seasons now. Yeah. So I think that is a huge part of it is these cars, these guys are having to adapt to these cars, which, you know, all that to say, like it, when I was thinking about that, I thought, God, I am really freaking impressed with Carlos Sainz because that's a guy when he was at Red Bull, he, you know, he drove the hell out of that car. Then when he went to McLaren, he drove the hell out of that car, you know, and gave Lando good competition. And now he's at Ferrari and, you know, Leclerc, you know, has bad luck in this race. And what does he do? He steps up for the team and second place which is probably the best Ferrari could have ever hoped for at this race. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I, I honestly think, you know, even looking at Sergio, I think Sergio's doing exactly what Red Bull wanted him to do. Yeah, he's he had, a you know, one or two races where they weren't, he wasn't up where they wanted him to be, but but yeah. I think he's starting to figure that car out. And I, and I think, so that's a good sign for him, because I, I was really hoping that he, you know, would kind of get in a slipstream. And I mm-hmm. was really happy to see... Seb end up where where he did just because it's you know a little bit of a different dynamic there. Um, mm-hmm. I, nothing against you know Lance Stroll. I think uh, he's a reasonable driver. Um, seems yeah. like a reasonable human being as well. But yeah, Seb should be out probably outperforming him most of the time. Yeah, he's just a he's just a better F one driver. Stroll's you know? yeah, and Stroll's still learning. And yeah, you've got. I mean, Vettel Vettel's a multi, multiple time world champion. Like he. That that's why I think it's whatever's going on at Alpine is really kind of a travesty. Like I don't understand how Fernando Alonso is just yeah. getting his butt kicked by you know, it I can I can understand Lando Norris and Ricardo. Like Norris is fast. He's good. He is yeah. really good. Esteban Ocon is a mid pack driver on right. his best day. Like he's he's not a right. He's not a Norris. He's he's the same age as those guys, but he's not a Norris or a Leclerc or Verstappen. And so the fact that Alonso cannot seem to get a hold of that car is really yeah, interesting, interesting to me. But we'll, we'll I, you have know, to see how he does maybe further into the season. You know, maybe yeah, he'll, maybe things will settle down. Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, I know Ferrari's come out and said they're not planning on developing the car further this year. That kind of the car is the car and they're focused on 2022. So I, I, McLaren's taken the opposite approach. They said they're going to be working on the car throughout the season, probably because the money between the money difference between finishing third versus fourth in the constructors means more to them than it does to Ferrari. Ferrari's, (laughs) you know, they're, they make plenty of money. I'll be interested to see what Alpine does. You know, if Alonso can give more feedback on that car and get where he wants it to be. But, it was a good race though, overall. No, it was a good race. It's a fun. Yeah, there's not a ton of passing and and all that stuff. But I always enjoy uh, it. It's a, it's a beautiful race to watch, and and it's cool seeing kind of all the trappings surrounding it. So um, the only thing it was missing was we didn't get a Mazepin spin. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Good one. <laughs> um, and he I didn't finish last. Off. He didn't yeah, finish last. He finished ahead of Mick Schumacher. <laughs> Which is just oh, well. amazing. <laughs> Blind squirrel um, finds it out. <laughs> but the Haases did finish two laps behind everybody else. Yeah, so. yeah as expected. 
<laughs> but man, what uh, those guys. It's the comic relief every race. So. <laughs> yeah, the clown, <laughs> the clown car shows up. Um, but yeah, otherwise, you know, it was a, it was a good race, and and uh, some interesting storylines coming out of there. And uh, I think we're heading to uh, are we heading to Azerbaijan? Yep, that's right. Um, for the next <clears> race, <throat> and and that's another really that's a really interesting. It's another street circuit similar to Monaco. I mean, it's not. You know, it's it's different, but uh, it's not a purpose-built racetrack. And so uh, they're my favorite, honestly. Like, Monaco is Monaco. I but agree. Like, Baku's interesting. The Singapore GP uh, yeah, that's is, true. Yeah. is one of my favorites just because it's done at night yeah. under the lights. Yeah, exactly, all the lights. Yeah, it's pretty um, cool. It's very cool. So Azerbaijan in a couple weeks, um, and we'll kind of see how how things evolve and and go from there. But fun race, and uh, look forward to some more shenanigans. Anything else you want to add, buddy? No, that's good. All right. Uh, well, as I said, sorry for uh, the late podcast this week. Uh, real life intervened, but uh, we'll be uh, back on uh, Monday with our uh, on time podcast. No race this week, so it's probably going to be. Um, there's been some really interesting news. Uh, some car debuts and and uh, we're getting some reviews of some interesting sports cars so uh, we're gonna have plenty to talk about so and until then we look forward to uh, seeing you next time